You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning again. Uh, I'm Bert, the senior pastor of Every Nation Church GTA. Again, we're really glad that you're with us uh, this morning. Uh, we're continuing our series uh, called Abide, where we're looking at the power and beauty of God's Word. Uh, before we get into the message, I was in Florida, believe it or not, this last week at our annual North American Leadership uh, Team uh, meeting. We do this once a year. And since I serve as the Canadian Director of Every Nation Churches and Ministries, uh, uh, I get a chance to go and meet with the other regional directors from North America. There's just a handful of us that, that meet together, but it's always a, a great time. Our church is uh, connected to a larger Every Nation family, as you saw in that video. And here in the North American American region, which is the United States and Canada, uh, we work together uh, to see our mission expanded and our churches uh, covered. So one of the things that happened at this meeting, uh, some of you might know, might not know these faces, but some of you might, uh, we had a transition and uh, the term for uh, Pastor Brett Fuller uh, came to an end. He was our, he is our pastor in Chantilly, uh, Virginia, near Washington, D.C., and it was transitioned. Uh, we all felt like the next person to uh, lead us for the next uh, few years would be Pastor Daniel Stevens, who is our pastor in Midland, Texas. We have a large church in Midland, Texas, and Pastor Daniel and his um, team there. Uh, we do one of the songs that was done from Mid-Cities. It's the one about... Um, uh, I can't remember now, but we do one of their songs. And so uh, it's a great church and Daniel is a great friend and perhaps we can have him uh, come up here uh, sometime and minister. Okay. Um, for those of you who might know this about me, I am a lawn enthusiast. It's one of the hobbies I've taken up in the last few years. I really enjoy uh, a nice lawn. You see, we're going to look at a passage of scripture about a vineyard and the vine and how Jesus is the vine and bearing fruit. And I don't have any vineyard. Uh, I don't have apple trees. I don't have any of that. But I do know a lot about growing great grass. And I want to show you a picture uh, what my lawn looked like this year. I was able to get it to this level of manicured. And I'm hoping uh, next year to even take it to a higher level. Uh, yeah, as I continue to uh, work on my lawn, I sort of have a reputation in my neighborhood as being the lawn guy. So, why do I say this? One of the things that when a neighbor comes by and, you know, says, oh, you got such a nice lawn, you know, what's the secret? They always want to give me like, they want me to give them like one thing, one silver bullet that will somehow take their ugly, weed infested, um, you know, bare, disheveled lawn and, and somehow turn it into what I have. But you know, I might start them off with saying, well, it's about your cutting, you know, those, the one third rule, only cut one third of the blade off at a time. And, or these are the fertilizers you need to do, or you need to aerate, you need to overseed, you need to do all these things. Um, and, and it's always hard for me to just give one answer because the fact of the matter is to grow a beautiful crop, to grow a beautiful crop of grass, it takes many things. And I want that in mind, uh, when we, uh, talk today about being fruitful and tapping into the vine that is uh, Jesus. Here's our scripture uh, for today, John 15, 1 through 11. The words of Jesus, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that will bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. Uh, it's one of the I am statements of Jesus. We did a sermon uh, a while back about the, all the different times that Jesus said, I am. So um, this passage, when I was looking at it, meditating on it, I realized that there's probably a hundred sermons in this passage. It is so rich and there's so many different ways uh, that we could center in and, uh, and go. There's just so many, so many wonderful things that Jesus is imparting to us uh, through this passage. But um, we don't do two-hour two sermons at Every Nation uh, Church. Uh, and uh, I think it's more important that we kind of focus in and get a sense of maybe what God has for us uh, at this moment and this time. And so as I was thinking about it, I want to center in on a couple things uh, from this passage. And I want, to, I want to look at two questions from the passage. First of all, uh, what kind of fruit is Jesus referring to? Okay, so we're going to, the first half of this sermon is going to be looking at that. And then the second half of the sermon is going to be uh, focused in on how do we abide in the vine. Okay, so that's our outline today. Um, verse eight, uh, of this passage says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my, uh, disciples. And so we're going to look in at that fruit. So we're going to look at actually four types of fruitfulness because we, we think, okay, there's a vine. It, it, it yields grapes, um, you know, an apple tree, uh, apples, but Obviously, this is talking about our lives um, and not just fruit uh, in the natural sense. So let's look at four types of fruit. First of all, Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians uh, 5, verses 22 to 23, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Uh, it's really the God-like and Christ-like qualities that we desire to have more of. I've heard um, other, uh, I've heard this uh, recently from uh, psychologists saying that, uh, you know, some of these uh, good inner qualities will be things like calmness, clear-mindedness, compassion, connectivity, curiosity, confidence, and curiosity. It's like, it's like these are also like positive 
um, positive things about our being that when God looked at all men and women and he created them, he said, it is good. We, every one of us is of good origin. And that's why you see scriptures, things like where Jesus talks about God causes the rain to rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. He has put actually his image in each one of us. But it doesn't mean that we all are able to bring forth effectively the image of God that is with, within. Um, how does greater fruit in our, of these types of fruit play out in our everyday life and relationships? Well, here's some examples. Uh, maybe we can be less defensive when someone disagrees with us. How about that for our culture right now? Uh, how about less afraid to talk to new people? Less concerned for personal safety and well-being and more concerned for the good of others. More curious and interested in others. More desirous to serve and to help others. That's that kindness. And more diligent to follow through on our commitments. You know, that self-control that when we make a commitment, we follow through with it. Through with it. And so these are types of character qualities that if we abide in Jesus, in the vine, we will actually bring forth more of this type of fruit. Secondly, is fruit can also refer to fruitfulness in our job, our calling, or in purpose in life. Um, I have a picture here of a worker. Um, and... This uh, lady is uh, looks to me like I'm just guessing, but maybe uh, graduated from University of Toronto or University of Waterloo in the engineering department, and she's on a job site with her cell phone and her laptop and a construction site in the background. And uh, most of us uh, spend a large part of our week at our job. And hopefully you see your job as a calling and not just something to pay the bills, although uh, you know, we need to pay the bills. And scripture says, if you don't work, neither shall you eat. And so there is a, there is a sense of responsibility um, uh, that God gives us. So it's really important that we are fruitful in the thing that we do with our lives, we do with most of our time. Uh, think of it, you know, uh, Monday morning to Friday, if you work uh, Monday through Friday, it's a lot of hours. And so we want to be fruitful in what we do with the majority of our week. Um, I want to le read you um, a quote uh, from Tim Keller. He's the pastor in New York that many of us enjoy his teachings, his writings, his books. Uh, we quote him quite a bit. And this is a, a little portion from uh, his book on work. This is what he says uh, about uh, the Christian faith and our work. He said this, the Christian faith gives us a new conception of work as the means by which God cares for his world through us. Look at the places in the Bible that it says that God gives every person their food. But how does God do that? It is through human work from the simplest farm girl milking cows. That's a quote from Luther. Uh, God could feed us directly, but chooses to do it through work. There are three important implications to this. First, it means all work, even the most menial tasks, has great dignity. In our work, we are God's hands and fingers, sustaining and caring for his world. Secondly, it means that one of the main ways to please God in our work is simply to do our work well. Some have called this, and I love this, the ministry of competence. 
What passengers need from an airline pilot is not that she speaks to them about Jesus, but that she is a great, skillful pilot. And third, this means that Christians can and must have a deep appreciation for the work of those who uh, for the for the work of those who work skillfully, but do not share our faith. Isn't that good? So I love this ministry of competence. Um, let me ask you a question right now. Think about this. Um, are you doing something that you're made for, something that you're good at and you love? Um, it's important that you find work that connects with the gifts and callings you have and you have a sense of adding value to the world around us uh, through your work. You know, and if you're not in that place and you say, you know what, I thought I was should be in this job, but it's really not me at all. I'm struggling in it, not because I don't work hard at it, but I just, it, it's just, I don't have those kind of giftings. Well, I've got some good news for you. You can change because you're not likely going to be at the same job and career anyhow. I remember several years ago, I read a report that says most people will change their career seven times now. It's not like my dad who, you know, worked at, uh, in Port Alberni at the mill. And, you know, when he was, I think he started when he was 19 or 20 and retired at 65 or whatever. And, you know, the same place. That's not how the world works as much anymore. And so the good thing about it is lots of people are retraining and, you know, there's a lot of disruption anyhow. You're, I mean, your job might be taken over by a machine anyhow. So, um, you know, you're going to have to retrain possibly. So the good news is that, it's not a heavy, it's not too late. There's actually a way that you can uh, adjust and find out uh, the things that are more the way that God wired you. And you can change, you can make a transition a plan to get into that lane where you're really doing the thing that God has called you to as evidence by the gifts on your life. Um, now, sometimes we do need to work for a job for money to be able to spend more time on what you really feel your calling is. Uh, we lived many years in Nashville and people would come from all over the world to make it in music because they felt called to music. Now guess what? There's not very many paying jobs in music where you can actually, you know, out of all the people who move into Nashville, probably one in 500 can make a living in music. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't put a creativity in them. It didn't mean that music isn't going to be a strong part of their life. But maybe you'll have to be a tent maker, if you know that term. Uh, meaning that you have to have other employment for more of your income. But you're going to make sure that that job gives you lots of time to do the creative part of your calling that you may be called to. Even pastors around the world many times can't make a full living uh, through their ministry. And they'll work in something else so that they can fulfill uh, their ministry calling. So, thirdly, let's keep moving here. Fruitfulness in your soul. Look at 3 John 1 and 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. It talks about here uh, the idea that as our souls are prospering, as our heart is prospering, as our mind, will, and emotions are prospering, then it can bring prosperity to the other parts uh, of our lives. And so, uh, 
this is, uh, we just got off the uh, Bell's Let's Talk Day uh, last week, where we're highlighting uh, mental health and the need for us to all look after our mental health and look after one another's uh, mental health. And when we think of mental health, that's like working towards freedom from depression, anxiety, addictive behaviors, things like, uh, things like that. But there's also uh, something that's become known as emotional health. And, and that's when we're working towards freedom from idols of the heart um, that we've adopted because of a particular difficult situations in our un- upbringing. Uh, many times that the way that the chapter two story of sin and brokenness in the world has marked us and, and, and we still are reacting out of that. And emotional health is about understanding how to work through that, how to move forward, how to understanding how uh, our family of origin and some of the difficult parts of life. And let me tell you, everybody has difficult parts of their life growing up. Um, even though uh, my counselor says every child believes they had a happy childhood, mm-hmm. it's like that's because God helps children with a positive outlook to save them. But at one point, we're going to have to look more seriously about part of the parts that were difficult in our lives and how it affects us uh, to this day. Uh, what else? Emotional health. It's becoming more peaceful. You're striving less. Um, uh, you know how people experience us. You know, if you have uh, a good emotional health, people will have a positive experience as they just encounter you in everyday life. Um, and, and, and we have to have others to help us become more aware in this area. You know, do people experience us as withdrawn or shy or nervous? Or on the other side, pushy, loud and obnoxious, proud, know-it-all, even moody or inconsistent? You see, these are signs of, uh, you know, that we may need some improvement in the fruit of our emotional health. Um, Jesus was the most well-adjusted human being ever. Uh, He displayed a beautiful emotional health. He knew when to express compassion, and he cried when it was appropriate. He he was happy, and he rejoiced greatly, and had all the uh, human emotions in a, in a perfect balance. And we are working to be, of course, uh, and growing to be more uh, like him. He, real quick, um, here's some signs of low emotional health. And this is good, especially because of the ongoing uh, pandemic. I thought I'd just quickly throw throw this in. I'm just going to run through this list of 10 things. Uh, signs of low emotional health. Isolating yourself from friends, family, or co-workers. Lower energy than usual. Sleeping too much or too little. Eating too much or too little. Increased use of substances. Racing thoughts lower performance at work, more personal uh, conflicts than usual, feelings of irritability, guilt, hopelessness, and worthlessness, neglecting hygiene and personal uh, care. So one of the areas of fruitfulness, I believe if, we're, if we want to be holistic, we want to think of uh, us as a being made in the image of God, that live in a physical world, have an emotional dimension, have a spiritual dimension, then this would be also one of the areas where we would want to become more fruitful. And fourthly, and there's probably other areas, I'm sure, of fruitfulness, but I'm just going to limit it uh, to four. Uh, And it's the one that often comes to mind when we think of fruitfulness, if you're familiar with uh, John 15, and it's simply fruitfulness in the Great Commission. 
fruitfulness in the Great Commission. The Great Commission is Jesus when he before he ascended to heaven in Matthew 28, where he said, all authority is given to me on heaven and earth. Now go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Uh, that's why in our movement, we want to go to more campuses, reach more young people, pass it to the gospel to the next generation. We want to plant more churches. We want to spread the gospel. Uh, we want to see people come to know the Lord. We want uh, them to understand that there is something majorly messed up with the cosmos, and it's called sin, and it's causing a lot of problems, and uh, not just out there, but in the heart of each and every person. And we want to see Christ come in and change that, and and for him to for him to move in such people's lives that we can be born again, that we can be saved from the ultimate effects of sin. And then over time, we can grow in that, what the Bible, uh, what we would call sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. And then one day, to be a part of this new heaven and new earth, where we don't have to worry about chapter two, about sin and brokenness anymore. This is exciting. And we want to bring as many people in to know our great uh, God and Savior. Um. Now, let me say this. It's hard in the Western world where Christianity has kind of crested and has been on a downward slide. I understand that. I've talked to many of you from the majority of world who come here and it's so easy to share the gospel and it's so, uh, people are so receptive. And then they come into this environment in Canada, US, Europe, where it's like it's become a hard ground. For some reason, it's like there's an immunity that's built up against the gospel, where it used to be good news to the uh, pagan Europeans. Uh, now it's like it, the wave of Christianity seems to have crested, and now people are, for some reason, they seem hardened to this and not as open. But we believe that God can still open hearts, and we believe that we need to keep persevering uh, because it really is good news. It's the greatest news that someone can ever hear is what Jesus Christ has done in the world and what he wants to do in individuals' life. He loves them and wants to change them. He wants to be by their side. As difficult as things are in the pandemic and all the things that we've lost, uh, I can't imagine going through it without Jesus. Uh, at least... You know, you have someone by your side and you have the spirit of God and the, and the sport of his body. Um, so we want to be fruitful in the Great Commission. At our meetings uh, down in uh, Orlando this week, several of our pastors have the testimony that I have, and they became Christians on the university campus. And one of our pastors in uh, Corvallis, Oregon, he said, you know, the difference uh, when I heard the gospel is I understand the gospel that I was, that was preached to me, the, the gospel to come and follow Jesus was also the call to make him known. You know, a lot of times, you know, churches say, hey, how can we get our people on mission? As if it's two steps. He said, when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. It's all one. If you've been called by Christ to him, then you've also been called to extend his kingdom. It's one call. And it's hard sometimes, it's difficult sometimes, but that is the call. Make no mistake about it. All of us are called. All of us are called to Jesus, and we're all called and sent from Jesus to be a witness in the world, to extend the kingdom of God, 
through our announcement of the gospel message, through the demonstration of the kingdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's four types of uh, fruitfulness. Here's a verse in Romans 1.13, just to cap this part off. Uh, Paul said uh, in Romans, he said, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've been often intended to come to you, but thus have been prevented in order that I may, what, reap some harvest or some translations say fruit among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So you see this passion in, in Paul and the early apostles. When they talk about fruit, they're also talking about the fruit of people coming to know Jesus. So there's four types of fruit. Okay. So let's switch to the second half of the half of the message and land the plane. So part two, how do we abide in the vine? If that's a description of some of the fruit, what does it look like to abide in the vine? Now, I've heard so many sermons and they basically go like this. You're not praying and reading your Bible enough. Do it more next week. I mean, that's basically the sermon. And, um, there's a truth in that, but it's incomplete. And so here's what Jesus said in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, uh, you can do nothing. Uh, Jesus, earlier in, this, early in this patch, said, I'm the true vine. You know, it's almost like he's saying, I'm not the vine for Sunday morning for an hour. I'm the true vine of all of life. Uh, Israel was sometimes known as the vineyard and the vine. And he's saying, I'm more than even the nation of Israel. And so um, I think we've had too limited a view on how God mediates his grace to us for an ongoing abundant life and fruitfulness. And so we're going to look at just some ways that uh, we can abide in the vine. So first of all, by means of the word. This is the most obvious way and the one that you've, if you've been in church at any length of time, you've probably heard, but I still want to touch on it. If you abide in me and my what words abide in you, you can ask what you wish and it'll be done uh, for you. Um, that comes readily to, uh, to mind. And so here's the first thing about abiding a vine. You need to know your way around the Bible. You just need to know. Because there's so much of what God has to tell us that presume uh, a knowledge of just what happens in Genesis, what happens, you know, through the development of the patriarchs and the nation of Israel, what happened, you know, when the temple was built and then it was destroyed and there was exile and, 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 and coming back. And then the New Testament, the birth of Christ and all through the early church age and the letters uh, to the early church and finishing off with revelation, there is a, just a general uh, ability to know, uh, to know the word of God. Um, I love this uh, 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 this quote or, or something that Jordan Peterson brought forth. And he said that the uh, Bible, and I think we might have a graphic, um, the Bible is the most hyperlinked, the Bible is the most hyperlinked um, uh, book of ancient time. There's over 65,000 places where the Bible refers to another part of the Bible. And so it's so important to know the Bible or when the connection to the other part comes, you won't know uh, what that means. So I guess we don't have that graphic, but you can look it up. Just put a uh, hyperlink Bible and it's a really cool graphic. Um, 
So that's knowing our way around the Bible. Um, of course, we need to know its meaning and the application. The other thing we need to, to know about the Bible is we also need to know that it's it's bread to our soul. Matthew 4, 4 says that man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that word, for word, there's different Greek words. One of them is logos. But sometimes when we see the word word, it's the word rhema. And it has to do with a God-breathed moment word. It's sort of the idea, if you've ever read your Bible devotionally, you're reading it, and all of a sudden a certain part just sticks out at you, and you know God's speaking to you at that moment through that scripture at that time. It's that kind of uh impartation that we need to have on a regular basis, that we can go out, out into our day and go like, yeah, I got a rhema word from God today. I've got something that just really spoke to my heart and it energizes us for the day. And so there's, um, by means of the word, both in just the knowledge of the word, the meaning and application, and also that devotional part uh, of the word. It's sitting with God and seeing him supernaturally apply it to your situation. Secondly, by means of the body of Christ. Romans uh, 12, 5 says, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we are all belong to each, each other. You know, it's uh, another verse. Ephesians 4, 25 says, we are members of one another. The life of Christ throw, flows through the branches of the vine. Uh, back to my grass analogy, back to my fruit tree analogy. A vine is actually unique in that vines, uh, the sap that goes through a vine doesn't just go through the trunk, but it goes from branch to branch to branch to branch. So when Jesus said, I'm the vine, he's saying, I'm the whole thing. And so one of the ways that Christ uh, gives his life to another member is actually through another branch. Does that make sense? The sap is going from one branch to another branch. And, and Jesus is saying the whole thing, I am the whole thing, the vine, not just the trunk. And so sometimes, uh, what does this look like? I've had this experience so many times. I may be a little dry spiritually and I don't want to go to small group, but I committed and I'm thinking about self-control and I go anyhow. And all of a sudden someone says something another member of my small group, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I needed to hear that. That was a word from God for me. Or maybe you're at a prayer meeting, and someone just prays something, and all of a sudden, the spiritual connection, and you begin to connect into that, and all of a sudden, life is bursting forth from another person. Um, this, is, this is how the body of Christ works. It's why when we separate ourselves from the body of Christ, that many times, even if we try reading our Bible on our own, we dry up spiritually because we need the sap, as it were, from the vine to come through the whole vine, including the branches, which are the other parts uh, of Christ's uh, body. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off my message with this last piece. And by means of the physical world, you might have never thought this before, that another way that God mediates his grace is actually through the physical world to us. This is what it says in Genesis 1, through 31. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed 
that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You have them for food and to the beast of the earth and every bird of the heaven and to everything that creeps on earth, everything that has breath, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made. I want to emphasize that. And God um, saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. So how does God continue to mediate his grace to us through the world he has made? Well, I've got a list here. Look at this. Through our social life, hanging out with friends and neighbors, through nature, walks, country drives, pets, horses, um, entertainment. I put especially comedy. I think that I think that the Bible says that laughter is good for the soul. <clears throat> Vacations, beach, mountains, hikes, camping, cottage, anniversary trips, food and drink, going out to eat, cooking special meals, and play, sports, hobbies, and other interests. Um, this little car. So I visited my mom not too long ago, and uh, she had been saving this. She said, this was my first toy car. I think I got it when I was one. And I don't really remember, but she said, man, as a baby, as a one-year-old, whatever, two-year-old, you loved playing with this. And uh, so now I have it back, and I can pick up where I left off and play with this little toy. So anyway, here we go. Um, But you know, uh, there is a part of our life where God calls us to still be children. And we need play. Now, we're not supposed to be childish. We're supposed to be childlike. You know what? A child, a child sees wonder in the world. A child can take a little car and, and, and make things up and just start playing and just enjoying it for the, just the sake of enjoying. And I think sometimes as we grow and the uh, life uh, catches up with us, we forget that God has made all things uh, to enjoy. And there's, there's something that, that, that there's a wonder. Our life should never lose that sense of a wonder of a child. Um, that part of that fruitfulness is just never getting cynical. It's so easy to get cynical about things. But to always continue to grow that fruit of innocence and wonder and joy about the world. So, as I conclude, I believe that God wants us to grow in a more holistic view of the world and how his vine is reaching out to us to produce fruit in so many ways. You know, it's interesting that um, when Paul was exhorting the church, and I'll close with this, this is what he said about the last times. He said, the spirit explicitly says in the later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. I'm thinking like, man, those are some heavy duty words, Paul. Demons and deceitful spirits and all of this kind of stuff. Like, and, and then this is the rest of this passage. Look at what it says, what these people do. They forbid marriage, require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything by God is, is good, created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the vine. You are the vine of creation. You're the vine of redemption. You're the vine of glorification will bring us back to the beautiful new heavens and earth. God, I ask that you would continue to show us the multiplicity of ways that you would have us to tap into your vine and the beautiful fruit that you desire our tree to bear in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that this is all possible because of what you did on the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.